All right, welcome. So glad that you're here. My name is Drew. I'm a pastor here at Hope Community Church in Columbia Heights. So thankful you're here and warm. Um, my grandma always said when we were kids, and my mom now always says, thank God houses are hollow when it's this cold out. <laughs> We'd come in the house, and as a kid, I thought, of, co- of course houses are hollow, <laughs> grandma, but now I kind of like it. Like, I am glad it's hollow and warm uh, in here. Uh, we did some intense uh, uh, diagnostics on this microphone. If you've been here the last few weeks, it makes a cool pop noise every once in a while. It's a cool pop noise. So hopefully today... We have, we have figured it out. Thanks, Aaron, for all your help. I think we figured it out. If not, we have a backup here. So I know a few of you have literally last week came up and were like, I need to talk about something. I thought, okay, can we pray? And I got some ideas about the popping on the microphone. Okay, I'm glad that was what we, you heard. Uh, glad, glad you're here. We are in a series right now. Uh, we're excited about... Um, and we're looking at prayers in the Bible. So hope, hoping that they can maybe teach us something about our own prayer life or even what prayer is. Um, and also just so many of these prayers just remind us of the gospel. Um, and it's really encouraged me actually in my prayer life in thinking about how my prayers uh, reflect almost uh, just speaking back to God, the gospel and that good news. And so today is no different. I'm excited to look at another prayer um, today together. Um, and a few uh, things just to be aware of, uh, we've been mentioning every week, but just so you know, there is an um, a email that we have here at Heights that you can just email f- with a group of people. Our prayer team loves, would love to pray for you. Um, and so you just email it. It's real simple. You just email, say, any prayer for this, share, share how it's going, and then we'll just email back. We're praying for you. Uh, and it's really been uh, a really cool and powerful thing to get to do. And we also love, if you're interested in joining, we'd love to have more people on that team praying for each other. It's just a way we can use technology to pray for one another. You can email CH for Columbia Heights prayer or pray, either one, at Hope CC. And uh, we'd love for you to join that. Join us in praying or just ask. We uh, are all eager to pray for you. And so we'd love for you to share anything on there. Um, and I was really excited. I asked this question today, the question A, because this week I learned about someone who made something that was really cool. And I was excited to share it with you. Uh, and actually it has to do with our prayers today. This is a quilt that was created by Harriet Powers. Uh, the quilt actually is, um, there's two uh, famous quilts she made. She was known for making these really beautiful quilts out of scraps of fabric uh, that uh, told stories Uh, and often told historical moments and told a lot of biblical moments. Um, Ones that she said were important to all people and to her specifically. She was born into slavery uh, in 1837 in Georgia and then becoming an emancipated uh, person was uh, continued to create these things. Uh, And in fact, as she fell in some hard times, uh, had to sell some of her quilts uh, for, I think this quilt sold for like $5 to someone. Uh, and uh, the quilts, thankfully, over time, a few of them made it out. Uh, but they're incredible, right? They're, they, they share these stories of things that actually happened uh, locally around Georgia. A few of these pictures are things that happened there. And then some of these are, are pictures, if you can figure it out, are moments in Scripture that she wanted on a quilt so that as you held it and wrapped yourself in it, all of that history, all those things to remember were kind of with you always. I just, I love that idea. A few of these, if, you're, if you think you figure out the top here, the, in the middle, the one where, uh, with the, you can kind of see here, right? This is a, the serpent lifted up by Moses. 
This is actually her words. She wrote little notes when she sold this, what each one was. This is the serpent lifted up by Moses and women bringing their children to look upon it and be healed. Isn't that cool? I love it. The next one to the right is Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve is tempted by the servant, Adam's rib by which Eve was made, and the sun and the moon, God's all-seeing eye and God's merciful hand upon them. Isn't that great? I just love it, all the pictures. It just tells us so, so much. The bottom left here tells of a very, very cold day, February 10th, 1895, in Georgia, where... uh, Stories of a woman freezing while praying, a man freezing while carrying a sack of meal, and icicles forming even on the breath of mules was reported. So she made a little symbols. Isn't that cool? It's like this history of all people and even all the way down zoomed into Georgia. This was one of the cold, cold nights in Georgia. That feels appropriate to see today. On the bottom right, you see a picture of this Jesus with the thieves on the cross. But the one I want us to see today that introduces us to our story is this one right here. Uh, anyone know what this one is? I heard whispers. No one's confident enough. It's a big fish. It's throwing a person up or eating a person somewhere in there. Her description says, this panel describes Jonah, who's cast overboard of a ship and swallowed by a whale. Also, turtles is the description, which I love. It might be my favorite description. Also, Turtles. If you're wondering, the spiky things are turtles. This depicts a moment uh, in human history that's significant. Maybe a story that you even know. If you think of Bible stories and you think of Old Testament Bible stories, Jonah and the whale or the big fish or whatever you want to call it is one that's pretty well known, right? As a kid, it might have been one of the only ones if I had said, hey, tell me a Bible story, I'd say, okay, I do know there's one and a guy is like on a boat and then he gets eaten by a whale and then the whale throws him up. I remember loving that part, thinking it was so gross and weird, throws him up and thinking about what it was like in the whale. I remember as a kid, they had this big thing that was blown up by like box fans. It was like a giant sheet <laughs> and we got in it as if we were in a whale and they told us the story of the whale and of Jonah. This is a story that I remember walking away with as a kid and remembering that I was supposed to not be like Jonah, don't walk away from God. That was the, if you'd asked me, what was the point of that story? Don't do what he did or you'll get eaten by whales. Okay, okay, I think I'm pretty safe. I stay away from water and I don't walk away from God. Is that the point though? And today we're gonna look at the prayer of Jonah. Actually, a quarter of the book of Jonah is a prayer. The whole second chapter of Jonah is his response to that moment he finds himself in the whale. I think it's a story that maybe tells us something different as we step back or as we see it in the whole story arc of scripture, a story where God creates his people and people turn from him and God continuously pursues them and rescues them. And even the words of Jonah here uh, aren't words that I remember. They're uh, the prayer I don't remember as much as just the, the beginning end of this chapter, which is he goes in a whale and then gets vomited out of a whale. This is a story though of a man who is called by God, Jonah, a prophet to go to a city of people who don't know God. They're pagans, they're Gentiles, they're people who are not Jewish people. And he's, he says, go to them and tell them who God is. Tell them they're actually turning from God. They're sinning. They need the Lord and he says, no, and he walks away, runs away 
gets himself on a boat so he can sail to a, a place in a different direction than the city. But God keeps chasing him. And in fact, there, a, a point happens where he's on the ship and the storms come up and there's waves and the crew is scared and they all start praying and asking their gods, hey, please stop, please save us. I mean, they're to the point they're scared this could end them, that death was, was imminent and waves crashing over and Jonah says, maybe this was my, my fault, I'm running from God. And he actually offers himself, throw me into the water, kind of sacrifice into the waters to appease God so that God would stop crashing the waves on us. They actually say, no, no, that's okay. There's gotta be other ways. We don't want you to die. There's a moment where they say, please, God, don't, don't uh, blame us for this. And they do though. Eventually they throw him or he goes over the side of the boat finds himself in frigid, stormy waters. And that should kind of be the end of the story, right? It should just be a story of, hey, God told you to do something and you didn't. And so that's what happens. You get thrown overboard. But instead, we find Jonah in a whale. And that's where we get to pick up this story today and hear the prayer of Jonah as he finds himself in a whale or a big fish, whatever whatever this thing is. It's a, it's a story where uh, they acted in a way o- almost like the rest of the religion around them in a very religious way in that like, I gotta make God happy so this thing stops, so I must give something. And in, in this case, give the person who's causing the trouble overboard and maybe God will say, oh, okay, you gave me something and now I'll calm the seas. And in fact, something different happens. It's very interesting, and that's where we pick this up in Jonah 2. If you have your Bibles and want to flip to Jonah 2, we'll mostly be here today reading the words uh, that Jonah prays, cries out as he finds himself inside of this fish. A moment where you would think maybe he, he thought, is this it? Is this what like hell looks like or heaven? Lo- is this what life after looks like a whale? It's like slimy and wet. <laughs> and I can hear breathing. Like, I, probably, I, you would think there would have been just death, right? He would have thought, this is it. I'm going in. And then instead, God comes and rescues him in a way that he wasn't probably thinking. I don't think his plan was to jump in and hope a whale would swallow him. And so in all of that, all that, can you imagine the things he's feeling? things he's seeing and experiencing, these words come out of his mouth. So we're just gonna read uh, Jonah 2 together here quick. Uh, and just, just listen, this is from a man who's now turned from God, not doing what God asked. He, God chased him, God has a storm come. He said, just throw me in, let's calm this storm by just sacrificing myself. He, he jumps in, there seems to be jumping into death and instead God swallows him up and now he finds himself inside the fish. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight 
Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. You feel this? Can you picture this? Swirling, wrapped up, trapped, sinking to the roots of the mountains. I sank down. The earth beneath bared me in forever, barred me in. But you, Lord, my God, he's sunk. He's, he's laying, right? Can you imagine? It's just laying tied up the bottom of the sea, waiting for death. But you, my Lord, brought my life up from the pit. My life was ebbing away. I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It's a pretty good prayer for, I don't know if I'd be praying. I, mine might be a lot shorter. It might be like, get me out, please. <laughs> this is gross. I don't even think, I don't know if I'd pray in the moment, but there's something that's stirred and changed in him. This is his response to go, I, I turn from you. He even uses language of turn to, to idols, worthless idols. But when he turns back to God, he says, God rescues him. He swallows him up. And now he's in this moment. He goes, you're the one. In fact, he ends by saying, salvation comes from the Lord. In other translations, salvation belongs to the Lord. You're the one who saves. This is the message that God said, Jonah, I want you to take this to these people. They don't know this. Take it to them. Tell them that they've turned to things that don't bring rescue, but that there is a God who brings rescue. It belongs to me, Jonah, and I want you to go take that to them. And now he's in a whale, and he goes, salvation does belong to you. I, I just experienced it. This is a story that also, for me, uh, feels like a bigger thing than I experienced in the sense that it feels like, well, I've never been that in that bad of a place, right? I've never been in a whale. In fact, I, I might even think of this story as almost comical or... Uh, Disney-like. In fact, I just watched Pinocchio, and in Pinocchio, they're in a whale, right? And it kind of looks like this. When you get in a whale, you kind of expect there to be like old ships. And maybe there's even like an old ragtag crew that's been in there for like 10 years. And they're like, let's show you how we live in here. And you all become friends, and then you find a way to smoke out the whale, and you get out. It's the big finale of the movie. There's just different rowboats and Captain Hook's in there, and Fish are swimming around. It's like a whole little city inside the whale. I, I don't think this is necessarily what it felt like. I think it felt a lot more like this. A lot more like dark. A lot more, oh, Aaron, can you help us out? Let's kind of feel this for a second. I think it feels a lot more like this. Dark. Alone. Deathly, I think in scripture, God wants us to maybe even feel grave-like. Like Jonah was buried. In a sense, Jonah, you died and you're in your grave. This I feel. This does not feel far off. This feels very right now and always. 
I assume we all have felt this or have moments of this, dark, alone, feel death, feel brokenness, feel sin around us. This is where this prayer that he gives uh, is an indication, a model in a way of what that looks like. All right, Aaron, take us out of the whale, please. He's got the power back there. Look at that. Good work. Um, this is my hope today. Is we're going we're gonna to look at this prayer and be reminded of what this prayer reminds us of. And I, I think for, for me, as I've been uh, thinking a lot more about prayer, uh, as we've been thinking about these weeks, talking together about it, what, what is a, what's my motivation? I often don't feel motivated to prayer or even in my prayer I feel like I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing here. And today I hope to give us a little framework for what it could look like to pray and even maybe some of the reason or the, uh, the change in us that would cause us to move towards God. And think of the way Jonah had this happen. He was, he was physically actually acting out like running from God. And in his, <laughs> what looks like death, God changes him and now he is a, a man who now turns to God and cries out, you're the one who rescues, salvation belongs to you. So what does it look like to people who go from maybe a head down in the dark to a head up in an embrace of a God? It's, it's really what we're calling us to, right? In prayer and in moving towards. I think of this when I think of this show. Okay, anyone, I get stuck watching clips of just the end of every episode. If you don't know, Undercover Boss is the show where they, a boss wears a terrible disguise that looks like junior high kids made it. You like glue a beard onto a guy and then he's like, I'm not the CEO, I actually work here. And then uh, they, they go in and they like hang out with employees from the company and get to know a few of them. Usually there's one employee who's like a, the worst employee. Uh, and then there's like the one who has just the most heartbreaking story and they work like three jobs and they're the best employee ever. And at the end of the show, they get to reveal that like, oh my goodness, you were actually the CEO. And often then they fire that person. <laughs> There's like this, this kind of sweet moment of justice when you're watching, you're like, yeah, that guy's terrible cook in your fast food place. And so then he says, hey, you're not doing good. And, and then they have this great like moment of, of redemption and often I just cry every time. This is why I didn't show a clip because I would have just cried up here. Often they like buy them a car. There's an episode where the, the uh, owner says, I don't want you to live in shelters anymore. I want you to have a house. Buys them a house. Uh, buys this woman and her kids a house and a car and like pays off their debt and then like gives them college funds. It's incredible. It's these moments of great generosity. But the reason I bring this up is because this happens. So these people are in a place uh, and in an instant... Uh, some very much using language of the grave and death, brokenness. And in an instant, uh, they are told there's rescue, right? Almost salvation-like words are used. And almost always, they always have them sitting like face-to-face, -face, like in the headquarters. Almost always, they stand up and they often say like, can I hug you? which is an appropriate thing to ask in the workplace. Uh, the CEO, they then embrace, can I hug you? And they embrace and they cry together. Sometimes people fall down. They're so overwhelmed by this 
act of grace and generosity towards them and they embrace, it's like in that moment they become no longer like coworkers or uh, the, the big dog and just the little uh, worker, but they become like this, this family, this con- there's this connection made and they respond. It, they can't not respond with tears, with hugs, physically moving towards the person. I, this, is, this is what I think we see happen here a little bit in the book of Jonah. And this is what the gospel does to us. That my prayer life isn't because I had this on my list and it had to happen. It's because I took time to continue to understand and, and preach and remember the gospel. And every day I'm reminded that God has not bought me a home, but he's bought me a home. Like, and I can't help but ask for a hug and embrace and move towards and change, it changes our relationship. And so that's my hope today is as we look at this, we can be reminded of this and even see how Jonah has changed and see why, why we can move, why our prayer life can look like that because of the gospel. One of the things that has helped me in my time praying is this, probably many of you know this, is the Acts prayer. I remember actually being in a, in a Bible study for probably a year and, and they would say, hey, we're gonna do the Acts, we're gonna do the Acts prayer tonight. And no one ever told me what it was. And I just thought it was out of the book of Acts. And so I would flip to the book of Acts and just like read parts of Acts because I didn't know and no one ever said, hey, Drew, it actually stands for something. Uh, this is one of those great Christian church moments where you, uh, no one realizes that no one's explained to anyone what's going on. Like a popcorn prayer. I also didn't know what that was for a long time and was waiting for some popcorn <laughs> at the end. No popcorn ever came. Uh, but the Acts prayer is one that I found helpful and I think there's a reason why it's been helpful and I, I want us to think about it today and I think it fits even in our prayer today. So the Acts prayer actually just is using the letters Acts to help us, right, to remember what it could look like to pray in this way. And actually even in this order does something. This is one that helps me because I don't just get to the end. The last thing is often where I wanna just pray, but it starts me off. So we're just gonna quick hop through this. This is what the Acts prayer could look like. Hopefully maybe a tool for you as you think about your own prayer life. The first word is adoration. We're just telling God who he is. We're saying, God, you're wonderful. You're loving, you're caring, you're powerful. We're ultimately saying salvation comes from you, your God. Sometimes my prayer just needs to, me to start with your God and I'm not, which gets us to the next one. Confession, which often in Drew's prayers is I'm not God. Sometimes though my prayers kind of start with an assumption maybe I am. God, I've tried everything out. I, I know I can do this without you because I'm pretty close to you on the level of how awesome I am. But this one's just not working out. Thought maybe I'd have you come in and help assist on this one. But when I start by saying, God, you're God, you're good, you're loving. Remember all the things that God has done from creating us to giving us life to making us in his image all the moments as I remember the, the great stories of people of faith as God has continually come and rescued and cared for them. Like God doesn't leave us, that he's for us. Then when I get to this part, I have a more accurate view 
Oh, I'm not those things. And I can actually confess and say, God, I'm broken. And I'm weak. And I'm dead without you. And those aren't, those aren't moments necessarily that are in the dark. Those are moments where I can be having a fantastic day and I can still say, hey, even in this day, I need you in every way, in every second. You're my only way out. It also reminds me as I confess that others are in the same boat, pun intended, I, that other people are also not God. That we're all kind of in the same place in need of a God to come rescue us. I don't see people as better than me or less than me. That changes my prayer when I remember who God is and then I start saying who I am and even reminding myself of who others are. It doesn't, my prayer doesn't become, God, help me be like those people and get the stuff that those people have. Or God, help me not be like those people because they're terrible. It changes my, my prayer. And so we move from, from remembering who God is and what he has done Salvation belongs to him. Remember that I'm a person who turns away from God and that God in his grace and mercy has rescued me. I turn to thanks, which sometimes is a natural progression. It moves me right to it. God, here's who you are, who I am. Because thanks, uh, a way to think about this is what God has done or is doing or will do even. Sometimes my prayer is just thank you that I know you're gonna come back and make this thing right this isn't the end. I'm praying that salvation belongs to the Lord, not me, and that you've rescued me. And even just in that, saying who God is and who I am causes my heart to become grateful, causes me to become thankful. This is where I think um, I, uh, a few years ago, I was talking to a high school student and they said they were uh, excited because they're gonna start doing a gratitude journal this is still a popular thing, right? They said, every day I'm gonna make a list. And I was told if I make a list every day of 10 things I'm thankful for, that I like, won't be bummed out. I said, oh, cool, how is that going? Uh, and they said, my gratitude journal only seems to work on days when I have things to be grateful for. So I don't write many things in my gratitude journal. <laughs> I said, oh, I think that was the point. You're supposed to every day think of like, things to be grateful for. And they went, oh, I thought I'd only write when things are good. We had this long discussion about that. It was very interesting. And they said, well, I just think I don't have anything to be grateful for. It was this, it was this kind of, they skipped enough things that they didn't, have, they didn't have a category here because they didn't have the first two steps, right? Of who God is, just who God is, right? Could draw me, move me towards thankfulness. But remembering who you are reminds you of how good God really is. This response to God's work and what he's done causes us to move there. Elizabeth Harper says, uh, having come face to face with death, she's talking about Jonah here, with death he sought and finding himself thankfully very much alive. Jonah is on the path to a proper understanding of God. He learns in a new way that God who inhabits Israel's holy temple is a God of rescue and of salvation. His response is, as it can only be, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. He's literally in this whale going, I should be dead. Like you rescued me. Salvation belongs to the Lord. He can't not stand up 
and embrace the Lord and move towards him and say, you've rescued me. And then the last step comes supplication, a word we don't really use often, uh, meaning asking. This is the part of the prayer I often just jump to. This is the, the prayer, and sometimes it is just a quick prayer. Sometimes that you're moved to that, right? God, I, I need this, I need you. This is where we ask. Now this gets messed up for me because sometimes this just becomes kind of a vending machine. God, I'm gonna come and I need this thing and I need you to sort this thing out. Thanks, and then I run away. I feel a bit of a, like a teenager where I go like, can I have some cash? Thanks, love ya. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll love you. maybe not. <laughs> Thanks, Dad, just using God. For that, I think though this, ch- this changes. How you ask, what you're asking for, even the manner with which you're asking changes, your heart changes when, we, when you don't jump right to that. When we start with saying, God, this is who you are, this is who I am, and oh, am I thankful for you, that you have rescued me, that you call me your son, that you have a plan for me and a purpose, and one day you're gonna make all things right. I, I'll no longer feel pain or sorrow. This is incredible news. And so then what, when I'm there, and I'm thankful, then when I'm asking, it's different. It actually changes sometimes even what I'm asking for or who I'm asking things for. This, time, this sometimes changes uh, my prayers to be less about me, and often it changes it to those around me who are unaware of these things. I think the reason that the Acts prayer works is because the Acts prayer is just us preaching the gospel to ourselves. It's us saying, God, this is who you are, this is who I am, and the good news is that you've rescued me even in spite of who I am. That I was your enemy and you still came in your love to rescue me. And I become thankful. In Romans 1 we hear when we become thankful, when we acknowledge who God is and who we are and we become thankful, we end up worshiping God and that's the place we are made to be in. And then we begin to feel joy and peace we, we begin to see our hearts change and our motives change. We begin to see things like peace, joy, self-control things. The things I was asking for over and over become a part of who I am, not because I just said, give me self-control, but because God reminds me of who he is and how he is doing that in me. So let's, let's read this prayer from Jonah. Again, I think he's, Jonah's in there and he's just preaching the gospel to himself crying out to God saying, God, this is what is true. From inside the fish, he prayed this. In my distress, I called out to you, Lord, to the Lord, and he answered me. Our God's the kind of God who answers. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. That's the kind of God you are. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. God, sometimes you are a God that puts me in the midst of swirling and waves and breakers to remind me how good you are. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I look again towards your holy temple. I, I turn from you. It feels as if I'm banished from you. Anyone else would say, good riddance. But I look back and you're there. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath uh, barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, 
brought my life up from the pit. I was in the pit. Actually, last week, um, I think Natty said she's trying to bring back the, that's the pits phrase. I'm like, I'm all for that. I'm all for, let's bring that phrase back. That's the pits. We, confess, confession time. I was in the pits. Why? Because I ran into them. I ran towards death away from you. But Lord, you brought me up from it. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. My life was ebbing away. I remembered who you were. And, and you listened, you heard my prayer, it came to you. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. There's a confession. He says it, uh, this, is what, this is what he was doing. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Something's changed in him, right? He's turning back to God. That's what we say when we say the word repent. He's turning back to who God is, to who to God for salvation. What I have vowed I will make good, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Even hear the, the manner, the thankful tone of this God, I was in the pits. I was done and you rescued me, you're so good. It's a prayer that reminds me of 1 Corinthians 12 a position that I think is so, so important each day of our life. And in this position, I think we become people who stand up and embrace the Lord and cry with the Lord and say, you're good and I love you. We just find ourselves in prayer because, because of what we've been reminded of. It says, but, he said, but uh, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, listen to this, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. He's saying, I'm gonna boast about how weak I am. I'm gonna confess how broken I am. I'm gonna say, it's okay that I don't have my stuff together. It's very okay that I'm not okay. Because in that position, in a whale, I can't do anything. And that's when Christ's power rests on me. This is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults and in hardships, in persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong. Why, why can someone say when I'm weak, I'm actually strong? Because it sounds cool, right? That was, if someone was, if you saw an ad on Facebook that said, hey, check out my uh, life coaching technique, it's called, when I'm weak, I'm strong. You'd go, ooh, that's interesting. He could say it though because of Jesus. We actually hear uh, Noah talked about in Matthew referring to Jesus. For as Noah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with his generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now something greater than Jonah is here. I love that phrase, something greater than Jonah. You know what's greater than Jonah? Sunday school times, Jesus. Why? Because Jesus came. There was a great storm that was gonna wipe us all out. We're all on the ship waiting to be tossed over, waiting to have the seaweed wrapped around us and to fall into the pit. A great storm of sin and death that we all were destined to perish in. The storm of storms. 
And Jesus himself throws himself into the waters, a greater Jonah, sacrificing himself for our sins, for us running away and turning from God. We're all Jonas. The story isn't about not being a Jonah. The story is you are a Jonah. And salvation belongs to the Lord. A, a God, Jesus, who goes into the water to calm the storm, but doesn't stay in the grave He dies, but he is raised to new life, rescuing all of us. We all have been rescued. We all have been vomited out on the dry land because of the work of Jesus and his death and resurrection. He couldn't be kept under. He emerges from the grave, conquers death and sin and Satan, and salvation belongs to Jesus. So in our weakness, in our submission, in our bended knee to him, saying, I am broken. God, you are good, and I confess that I am broken the thing we always wanted strength and power affection acceptance a family love and joy and peace and us saying I don't have that all of that rests on us his name is Jesus that's the power that rests in us this is a powerful thing to hear that actually in our weakness, as Jonah prays, the power of Jesus rests on us. I will pray, God, I just wanna be the power of you to rest on me. I'm really awesome. And I just need a little bit. Or, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And you do. And your strength rests on me. It's not our power that makes us strong, but Jesus, his conquering of death, his quieting of the storm. We're the terrible employees on Undercover Boss. If you watch that show, I, I watch and I go, oh, that guy's terrible. And then I think, oh, when I was in high school and worked, uh, <laughs> I absolutely did the least. And I absolutely didn't mop the floors all the times I was supposed to. And I for sure would have sat across and they would have said, I should fire you, but I'm gonna give you another chance. We're the terrible employee. And God in his grace and his goodness changes us. Tim Keller, he, he wrote a book, it's a, great book on, uh, it's called Rediscovering Jonah. And uh, man, it's really encouraging to see the gospel in Jonah. He says, now we see why we find grace, not at the high points of our lives, but in the valleys and depths at the bottom. No human heart will learn its sinfulness and impotence by being told it is sinful. It will have to be shown often in brutal experiences. No human heart will dare to believe in such free, costly grace unless it is the only hope. We, have, we gotta be in the dark. We gotta be in the belly of the whale in the dark to go, oh, turning from you leads to death. It is a combination of hard circumstances, insight from the biblical gospel of atonement for sin and prevailing prayer that will move us to wonder and amazement even in the darkest, deepest places. That's what we see happen here, right? And what happens when we boast and when I just embrace my weakness, my brokenness, the power of Christ rests on me. Holy cow, that's what I want. That's really what I want in my prayers. As I lay in the belly of a whale, should be dead, Christ is alive and well and he rests on me as I say, God, you are good, salvation belongs to you. I'm not God, I need saving. I'm in the pits and you have saved me. Thank you for saving me. I will continue to boast in this good, good news.
but this doesn't keep happening. Tim Keller goes on to say, despite his breakthrough here, Jonah has not grasped grace as deeply as we might at first think he has. There's still a sense of superiority and self-righteousness that'll cause him to explode in anger when God has mercy on those Jonah sees as his inferiors. He sees the literal idols that the pagans worship and he doesn't see the more subtle idols in his own life that keep him from fully grasping that he too, just like the heathen, lives only equally by God's grace. It's the bonus at the end here. We're gonna keep being Jonas. We're gonna keep being broken. We're gonna keep turning from God. And we get to keep praying the Acts prayer. We get to keep saying, God, you're good. I need you. Thank you that you've rescued me. Keep changing me. Keep changing me. We get to each day continue to preach the gospel to us and prayer is a place we get to do that. Prayer is a place we get to, to turn to God and remind ourselves of who he is with him and embrace him and be thankful and cry with him and say, God, you're so good. And it'll change us. Remembering who our God is. I'm gonna invite our team up. We made it all the way to the end, all the way to the end without the, I'm gonna invite our worship team up and just share a little bit, uh, a picture of this in, in our life. Uh, and it's just a sweet thing I get to share with, with our church family here. Our, our family, um, today is our family birthday. This is the first picture we took together that we got to share to the public. Uh, this is our family. This was taken eight years ago, which seems like a long, long time ago, um, of our girls. This is Zoe and Zariah and Kelly and I, and look at my short beard back then. Um, in our home in South Mini. This is the, the day we became a family. We call it our family birthday. And uh, eight years ago today, we had that opportunity to, to come together and embrace one another. I share that because uh, something happened not long after uh, we had our girls and we were in our house. I was at Walmart with one of our girls and we were standing in line and someone was asking, uh, asked my daughter if um, where her parents were because that happens. Sometimes they wonder like, you're probably not with that big white guy. <laughs> and so we're in line and they say, hey, do you need help finding your mom or dad? And I won't forget this. This is one of the first times this ever happened. And she repeated back to me some very, not to me, but to this person, she said some things that, are, uh, that we had said a lot. Everyone, if you're a parent or if you're a kid, there's moments in life where you realize like, oh, we say that thing a lot in our house because my kids say it, or because I, I say it, because my dad said it. Sometimes those aren't things you want said over and over. Uh, but this is a moment it was, and she said, oh, no, 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 I'm okay. That's, that's my dad. And they went, oh. And then she said, he loves, he loves me. And he'll always love me. So we're a forever family. It's spoken from, from a kid who uh, didn't always feel that. And to a complete stranger who wasn't asking, does your dad love you? She's asking, do you have a parent here? This is my dad. He loves me. He'll love me forever. We're always going to be a family. No matter what I ever do or say or whatever I ever break, we'll always be a family. Thank, thank God. Thank God my daughter heard that out of all the things that I had said. Thank God she heard that. That is a, 
And the only reason that's true in our house is because I have experienced that through an even a, a perfect father in heaven who has pulled me from the depths, who's pulled me from the pit. And every single day I can remember that. And every single day I can say, God, you have pulled me from the pit. No matter what I break, no matter what I say, no matter how far I run, I have a home with you. Oh, I am thankful for you. I, I just begin to pray because of this important truth that we pray with the one who saves us. That changes your prayer. It's not just a task. It's because I can't not be in communion with my God. So we're gonna do that together now. We're gonna take some time to worship our God. Um, here's some things to consider as we do this together. Do you know salvation belongs to the Lord and he offers it to you? If you don't know that, today's a great day to say yes to that. Where can you turn when you're in a storm? I think maybe where do you turn when you're in a storm? Is it hard to be weak? When can you be weak? Who can you be weak with? This is a tough one. We do not live in a culture that celebrates necessarily our weakness. And so who can you be with? When can you be weak? That's when the power of Christ rests on you. Who needs to know there's a God who saves in their weakness, not because they were strong, but because they were weak. So we're gonna take some time to worship, respond together to this. We have communion outside uh, in the hallways. Uh, so we encourage you to head out there. It's an opportunity to, to celebrate the death and resurrection of our God who makes these things possible. Uh, we're gonna sing together. Our worship team will lead us. There'll also be people in the back of the room who love to pray for you. I'd love for you to take that opportunity to just be prayed for. And also you can always give in response to the gospel. Um, you can do that on our website. Let me pray for us and we'll continue here. God, you are good. You are a father who loves us, who, who deeply cares for us. And while we are in the pits and while we were broken and running from you, you showed us your great love. It came to us and died for us so that we could be in your family. That is incredible news today. News that, that causes me to just want to turn to you and just be thankful to you. And, and Lord, I, we are thankful for you. We love you. I pray now as we uh, worship you that the words that we sing would be true to us, that they would heal our hearts, that they would remind us of this good truth, that they would give us courage to be weak so that your power would rest in us. I pray right now that your power would rest in us in this room as we sing and pray to you. We love you, Lord. You're good. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Drew. Um, please, at your own leisure, when you're ready to stand and sing with us.